Let's talk a bunch of different topics. How her career get there. This is a podcast with Lauren Ascari. All right, this is the Lauren Asgari podcast, How'd Her Career Get There? And my guest today is Shana Cosgrove. Welcome. Thank you. So Shana is the CEO of Nyla Technology Solutions and Vital Up Marketing. Several accomplishments here, but I'm just going to name a couple of them to get us started. Uh, So Nyla was named the Maryland SBA Woman-Owned Small Business of the Year top 10 in tech for the Baltimore Business Journal, and a member of the, or named to the Inc. 5000 list. So quite a, a number of accomplishments there. Congratulations. Thank you. So let's, let's jump right into it. Let's actually start with Nyla, and then we'll go back to, to you as a little girl. So give an overview. What, is, what does Nyla do? Nyla is a software engineering, data science, and cybersecurity tool development uh, services firm. So we have a lot of very, very smart people who specialize in working with very large IT systems, tons of data in the cloud, and making something that's uh, valuable. Primarily, our number one customer today is the U.S. government. Uh, So we're also considered a GovCon firm. Uh, But as we continue to grow, we're really looking to expand into the commercial market as well and have a diverse supplier set. So we do have a uh, Fortune 5,500 uh, com- uh, healthcare company today as one of our small um, contracts and would like to see that grow in the future. That's awesome. That's awesome. For Now, you were a programmer prior to starting this. We're going to get into this much deeper. Software engineer. Software There's, engineer. Thank we, you. Yeah, we prefer the term software engineer. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's go back to, give me some background information on you. Like, where did you grow up? siblings? What were you like as a little kid? Let's start there. Um, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Does that make you a Steelers fan? No, that's a different story. That we won't discuss. Um, (laughs) This is Raven's country here. (laughs) We were, uh, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. My parents moved there and then they had me. So my two siblings were not born there. I had two older sisters My father was a mechanical engineer turned project manager who oversaw the construction of a lot of uh, steel plants. So um, as I guess mechanical engineers tend to often work in factories or related to factories. So he was an expert in steel plants. And I went to a normal high school. Uh, I had my two older sisters. My oldest sister majored in English and became a teacher, which she quickly abandoned. And my other sister studied uh, healthcare administration, which she still does today. So the business side of it. And um, I just knew I kind of wanted out of Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. And I was either going to major in English and voice or computer science. And... (laughs) My dad did this exercise with me that I think was so valuable, but he really went through like, because it was very clear we were cut off uh, when we graduated. So they did pay for four years of public university um, and gave us like some spending money too. So, you know, that was really wonderful, but it was very, very clear that the second we graduated, uh, we had to make it on our own. Um, and I got a short-term bridge loan uh, from my father that I had to pay back. But um, I really, really loved singing and dancing. And I would go to musical shows like Les Mis and Hope, like 
that they'd call out to the audience, like, does anyone know the, the part for Fontaine? <laughs> um, and, but I, I never wanted that life. Uh, it, it was, regardless of money, even if it was like pretty decent paying, I never was interested in a traveling job. I was never interested in a job that kind of wasn't very stable long-term. It just really didn't appeal to me. Um, and then also the risk of never making kind of a living salary was unappealing to me. And the, the fact that I don't think I'm a great teacher uh, or patient teacher. So the idea of being a, mute, uh, a, a teacher to other students, like children coming to my house for a living sounded horrible. <laughs> for them. <laughs> but sitting at a computer all day in cute clothes uh, seemed very appealing to me. And uh, I was like, I can do that. And I actually knew this woman growing up who was an, uh, uh, a daughter of our neighbor and she was older and she became a programmer. She was an aerospace engineer and she had five children and she worked from home. And this was in 1992, right? So she worked from home in 1992, which was really unheard of. And I thought, um, computer science will be recession proof. So my sisters had both graduated in the recession and it was a recession proof job. It's only going to get bigger. It was a, (laughs) it was a really low risk major, uh, though, Staying in the major is quite hard, but uh, um, I could go to medical school. I could get go be a lawyer. I could get a PhD. I could go into business. It seemed a very solid, low risk activity. Um, and then anytime I considered dropping out of the major, because um, at the time you. I picked a school. Now I actually picked a school where the computer science program was in the engineering school, and the engineering school, most engineering schools, like goal in life is to fail out as many freshmen as possible. Um, and I graduated not number one in my class, but like you know, I did work. It was good. I like was pretty good, and then you know, everyone gets their butt handed to them in engineering school, most everybody. And it's very, very humbling. Um, so there were a couple times I thought I wanted to switch, but I would never, then I would start crying because I couldn't switch out of computer science. So from there, I got a job with a defense contractor in Alexandria, Virginia, working on Navair um, on a central control panel of a helicopter. So I just really like solving problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I just really liked it. Like my gut was always telling me like that this is what I wanted to do. I never wanted to like, uh, another popular job from my college was going to be a consultant. You know, one of those jobs where they fly you out on a Monday and they bring you back um, on Thursday night. And that seemed very unappealing to me. I was like, how do you have a dog? I don't. I'll be at the bar eating with coworkers, which I don't want to do either. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I ended up uh, majoring in computer science. Like it never occurred because I was like, well, I want to be married with three kids, not five kids and work from home. That seems really appealing to me. And ironically, I never worked from home until last year. <laughs> so I went 20 plus years of always going to a building always. <laughs> And what, so when you were a little kid, were you, so the youngest of three, what, what were you like? Like curious, stubborn, energetic, comedic, like how would you describe yourself? Uh, very assertive. 
Um, I, I think I have a lot of, because I'm younger than my two sisters, I think I have a lot of stereotypical traits of an only child and of the baby of the family. So very charming, engaging, incredibly bossy, uh, extremely opinionated about how things need to be done. Like I never had problem. I never feared, I never feared being in charge. Uh, like to me, being in charge is very natural. Uh, like, oh, of course, yeah, this needs to be done. Everyone, I'm going to rally you and tell you like your assignments. Um, my mom tells a story that... Uh, we lived in Mexico when I was five. And then when I came back, I would like yell at, yell at the neighbor kids of like what they needed to do in Spanish and uh, just always coming up with new schemes and, and different groups. So I don't think anyone's surprised by how I turned out. There's no like, oh, this shy girl is now, no. It's like, I was very like always speaking in class, always uh, talking nonstop. Um, always really into class. Uh, and on, on the singing thing, could you actually, I mean, you could actually sing, like, I'm not going to ask you to do it right now, but. Yes. Yeah. It's probably my uh, best. So I'm really into piano, um, but I'm not as good at piano as I'd like, but singing is a real natural talent for me. And, um, and then I joined this choir that was focused on opera. So I, I'm an, I can't, instead of like show tunes, I actually grew up singing operatically. And so, yes, I even did it in call it, but I'm kind of burned out now, but sometimes when I'm alone, I'll like sing opera. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> I went to my first opera like three years ago and I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, really? I don't yeah. know that I've ever been. <laughs> oh, really? I went to my first one, my first and only, and I thought it was fantastic. It exceeded my expectations for sure. Um, I'm going to bounce around here because you said something that I thought was uh, was interesting that I want to just dive into a little bit because I know that you're a mom of two, right? Yeah. Two boys? Two boys? No, I have a um, four-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old son. Okay. So when your dad says to you after college, you're cut off, how old were you and how did you, how, do you think that ended up, how did that end up mattering to you with the person or parent that you are today? I think it has a huge impact on who I was uh, um, or who I am today. I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's had a huge impact on me as a parent. Um, I actually think it was really, I was highly motivated to get a job that could that could pay. So I never felt this freedom. Well, I had freedom to live at home. And we didn't grow up in one of these houses that had like the suburban basement apartment like these kids have today. And there was no cell phone. and my mom would pick up the phone when we were on it. And when I went off to college, like if you picked up the phone, then you broke up your internet connection. So <laughs> moving home seemed like the worst thing I could ever imagine. Um, so I was very highly motivated to uh, take care of myself. My father did a lot where he never taught us. He never did things for us. He would sit next to us and answer questions, ask us questions to help us learn how to do things for ourselves. So um, I grew up knowing how to do my laundry, knowing how to, I mean, he gave me a toolbox, a, a Sears Craftman toolbox uh, when I went off. Um, 
And I really enjoyed this. When I interned, I made enough money um, because even then software engineering was very high uh, paying compared to other bachelor degrees. And I took a lot of um, pleasure and pride in the fact that that whole internship summer, I was able to take care of myself, pay for my living, pay for my food, pay for a car. Um, but uh, I think he just expect he didn't really care what we did in life, but just that we were able to take care of ourselves. Um, and so even today, with me having more resources available, I really um, make sure my children know how to clean their room, that they know how to. Um, cook. So I'm making my son cook because my husband's not a good enough cook. (laughs) So I'm making sure that my son can actually grow up and learn how to cook for himself and read recipes and piece it together. So I have this high expectation. Now, I don't know that I'm going to fully cut my kid off. Like I'm hoping actually I'm able to be one of those dream parents that's like, oh, here's your down payment for a house, you know, but there are those kids out there um, but, uh, I do expect that I, I don't have this vision of like giving my children money on a repeated basis after graduation. I have a real sense, like I've given you all these tools I've invested in you and uh, you are expected to fly. So what traits do you, from each of your parents, either your mom or your dad as individuals or together, what are, what are traits that or things that they taught you that you remember or are important to you to this day? That's a great question. My father had an expectation of um, if we were going to do anything, we had to do it well. So we couldn't half-ass it, (laughs) as you love to say. Um, So, uh, and, and as I told, he really had this expectation of us learning to take care of ourselves. So even when I would write a paper in college, I had to do a review of my work before he would look at it and give me any feedback. Um, So I think I have the, you know, and I think the engineering ability and the interest uh, comes from him. My mother loved creating things and was extremely creative and artistic and interested in color and design. And I think one thing Nyla stands out for is not just our culture, but uh, people talk about our branding and our marketing. And I think that a lot of that comes from her. I'm not as talented as an artist as my mother was. Like I, I'm weak in my hand and drawing, but uh, I have a very I'm really good at design and have a very clear vision of what is like right and good, which applies to building products, software products as well. Um, My mother really loved helping people and she really wanted the best for everyone, uh, which is one of the ethos I founded the company with is that while employees are with Nyla, we want to really provide you with the best. We want you to help you realize your dreams. and help facilitate your your professional growth, your personal growth. Um, like my mom would grab a waitress's hand and be like, you need to go to college. Or, or she would tell, this is an old era, but she would tell women like, and this is probably a reason I started the business as well, but she would tell women like, you need to have runaway money. Like make sure, <laughs> make sure you have runaway money because if you need to leave, 
like, I want to be sure you can leave. <laughs> she would just tell people that. Um, so I think that sense of being able to take care of myself um, and money and uh, um, probably overly self-sufficient for like a happy marriage. Like I, I, I'm not a, I'm a, I'm, I'm good for marriage, but like, I'm really independent. Right. Right. It's so important to me. So let's, so let's jump back forward to, so you go to college, software engineering, you decide is where you want to go in life. You graduate, you get a job, take us through that job, how you move to the next one and what ultimately prompted you to start a business. Um, so at my first job, which I loved, uh, it was a company called DCS corporation still exists today. Um, and, uh, it, it was a great work where, um, it was a really nice people and the work was very interesting. We were working on, um, the electronics for a helicopter. Uh, but this was in 1998, 1999, when the web was exploding. I feel so historical. But the web uh, was just coming out. Uh, This was Netscape. AOL was huge. And I thought, I'm going to be a dinosaur if I don't know the web. I went to a company. It was totally disgusting. Like there was dog pee, scribbles on the wall. Um, And I wrote a horoscope app. And I thought that that was like so stupid. Um, And I ended up going back to a subcontractor to DCS. uh, And I was working on testing the software that we had written. And they won an award for PKI, which is, um, if people don't know what PKI was, at the time, it was almost like a driver's license for the government. So they were rolling it out through the Department of Defense. The PKI was actually on a card. like It looked like a driver's license. So you got a card. Your actual so anytime you interacted uh, with the government systems, they knew for a fact that it was you. Security, defensive work, uh, like um, defensive cyber or putting in a bunch of rules, is not my thing. I ended up getting my master's in systems engineering, so I had this real. I always knew that I wanted to start a business, and um, and I was looking really strongly into an MBA, and I freaked out because. So I did all this work to get into an MBA program. I ran a volunteer organization for three years. I um, took every extra assignment at work, read every book, like anything I could do to make myself uh, top tier MBA material. And then I freaked out during the application process because I was really scared of the debt. Um, it was going to be like 200,000. I was leaving a solid paying job, a life I liked. Uh, to go to this unknown. And then again, the most popular paying jobs for MBAs was consulting work. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that sounded horrible. And I really looked at what is the future of engineering work look like? And it used to be MBAs and it was really evolving into engineering management um, or systems engineering, which is kind of engineering management like can be. And so I got my master's in systems engineering at night. Um, but I want to go back at my first job. I don't know why my first boss told me this. Never know why he told me this. But there was this uh, old man sitting in this huge room who was like a vice president. We never saw, like, never. I just saw him like, uh, like a Mr. Burns from <laughs> Simpsons. 
And he told me, my boss, who was a great guy, told me um, that that man's bonus was bigger than my whole salary. And I thought, I get, I'm going to be that person someday. Like, I don't know, somebody gets to be that person. And that person could be me. So that planted the seed. Um, do you distinctly, I mean, obviously you do, you distinctly remember that like, oh, yeah. a moment? Yeah. And, and for me, I have, I don't know where I got the number, but for, somewhere in my head, I have this number of like, someone makes $300,000 a year. Uh-huh. That person could be me. Like, <laughs> and I don't know how or when to get there. I had no clue. I didn't know people who made that type of money. But I, I knew, apparently, I vaguely knew this man, right, who made that type of money. So I went off, and then I, um, I was getting my, uh, so I was working on PKI, not very interesting to me. The whole company was based around PKI, and I was recruited by my professor to work at the Aerospace Corporation. And the Aerospace Corporation is like the Disney world of uh, companies. Everyone is so pleasant. They're based in El Segundo, California. So they fly you to Manhattan Beach. Everyone worked there for years. Uh, um, I'm blanking on who was president at the time. Uh, She's a very influential woman. I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, You could work as a manager. You could go be technical. It was really dreamy, except the salary like remained like this. Uh, it was very flat. So you were taken care of very well. You had a great life. Um, but I was young at the time. I mean, I wasn't even, I was 30-ish, right? So I still had a huge uh, rest of my career. So there was actually a seat. There were actually a lot of technical women there as well. And one of them said to me like, you know, Shane, it's not a sprint. You're like, you're, you're treating this career like a sprint. Um, And so culturally, I wasn't a great long-term fit. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, and I had come up with a design and there was a meeting with all these people just sitting around and they couldn't understand why the Air Force's architecture wouldn't work with the Navy. And it was like super obvious to me. And um, at the time I could barely afford my house in Northern Virginia. So I'm like literally like watching every penny because Northern Virginia, this was before the housing crash, right? So I had paid this insane price for a house um, and could barely live because uh, the house was so expensive. <laughs> um, and I just thought like, if I'm this young and leading such a significant change, there should, there's, again, I had no idea how you make money, right? Like I just knew that other people in other jobs probably made more. And so I met a man who had uh, started a business and he had an amazing house in Georgetown. And I thought, and he was my age and I thought, I want to be like him. And so he's like, come work for me. Um, But so at this point, it's like, I need to start a business, right? Like he had a business. And so he's like, I'll teach you or we'll start a business together. What were the Um, other, what were the other, not to interrupt you, I want to get sneak this question. What were the other drivers for you with that? Because it's not all money, right? Oh, right. Yeah, well, because I mean, the, the... The thing I didn't know is like your income tanks. Right, exactly. <laughs> the amount of work you do goes through the roof. I think um, exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that either. Like I, I didn't. Even, on yeah. the outside, 
everything looks easy. Like it's like when you watch Ducks Across the Lake. I had no idea that it's truly that Ducks Across the Lake, the iceberg uh, image of like everyone only sees the top. So I had no idea that I was only seeing that, right? Like I wasn't tapped into this network. I didn't know people. So to me, it was like sunshine and roses. Um, I just really had this fundamental belief that I could create something that better served employees and better served the government. I really loved working on government projects. Really, truly, I took great passion in it. I was very motivated by it. And I just really had this belief too that I could create a company that was much better for the employees um, and to do that matchup. So I, uh, you know how like, I'm not a marathon runner, but people see a marathon and they think like, I should run a marathon. I don't think that, but I did think someone out there starts a company. So eventually it turned into, I want to have my own company. So for a long time, I was looking to just, uh, again, I didn't even know to start a business, but I knew that, um, I wanted to be a vice president. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then I worked for enough businesses and thought, Uh, no, I don't want to work for this person. I don't want to work for this business. I'm not inspired. And I want it to be my own thing. So there was an evolution of um, almost like dating. This isn't right. Like this is close and this has positives, but this isn't right. And the only way to do it was to start um, my own. And so you went, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to take you off of where you were, the story that you were telling, um, but I did want to sneak that in, that question in. So then you went to work for this gentleman and to learn some things, take me from, I'm assuming he was a gentleman. I don't know. I'll use that word, but take me, take me. I'll, from, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that term. <laughs> take us from, uh, yeah. So take us from working with him to starting Nyla. Uh, so I left him and went to, again, I was always motivated by the type of work. So I had this essentially for 10 years, like, I know I want to start a business. I had no idea what to do. I don't know people. And I took a job at a really random, like teeny tiny baby company. So, um, and that guy, uh, that guy, um, as a lot of entrepreneurs do struggled with having a family, balancing the workload, uh, it's really common in government contracting that you work on contract when you first start your business because you need revenue, um, you need money. Uh, and so he ran an okay, like, you know, business and it gave me enough. It was so little structure provided by him that I had no fear left. Um, so it was really like, if, the, if he can do it, I can do it. Or if all these other people have done it, I can do it. Um, even to the point where like I went to college. So my college asked me a couple of times. My college was focused on being uh, uh, way before <laughs> recent things, uh, DEI focused. And they brought me back to be a speaker. And um, afterwards, a man came up to me and he's like, I should hire you. Uh, and I said, well, what's the name of your company? And he said, DCS. And I said, I work for you. Um, but it bothered me that like, I had never known the story of like the company. Right. And so it was just this whole series of, I really think I can do it better. I, mm-hmm. I'm just so confident. Um, 
I had no idea how hard it was. And I, you know, I was newly married when I finally started it. So I met my husband at work and was like, nice to meet you. I'm starting a business. And it took a few years. Uh, but I did that. So that's what I did. I was just like, nice to meet you. I'm starting a business. <laughs> and you started it. Were you, um, I mean, since you're a software engineer by trade, were you, did you start out billing yourself? Yes. Yeah. In fact, I, uh, finally got off contract for the first time last year. And right now we actually have work that is so interesting to me and I would be so good at it. Uh, I really kind of want to go back on, but it's actually common. Like there are, uh, my competitors, um, a lot of a lot of them work on contracts still, and they let essentially someone else run the business. Um, so they grow. They're not as interested in growing super big or fast. Uh, but yeah, they you love the work. Um, it's like the baker who opens. It's hard to get them out of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pretty split between the business. But I my customer was like. You're, you're kidding yourself. Like you can't work on contract again, but I'm like, but I could do it. I love that. Like I love going to the meetings, designing it. Um, so yeah. And what is, what is the thing? Well, actually I want to back up. What was it like, or what's your perception now of what it's like for, I'll, I'll say it, women in college or women getting into software engineering or an interest in getting into software engineering. What advice do you have for those, um, for those women who maybe look around a classroom and see a ratio of more men in the field. I don't think that's any secret. I didn't struggle with the men versus women. What I struggled with is uh, two major things. And I think um, I went to UVA uh, that I feel like they're addressing it. One is a lot of the other kids I came in with were very advanced uh, with software, software engineering, computers than I was. Um, So they were just really had done it before, had seen it before. And I felt like a hick. Like I just was like from a farm town. I didn't know what software was. Uh, I don't even know if like a a pre-class would have, you know, maybe that would have helped me. Um, Another major thing I had is... um, uh, the stereotype. So I, the, a lot of the, the same people, it's their entire life. Like that is all they do. And so there's this perception or voice where you tell yourself, of if it's not my whole life, like when I was done with my work, I liked to, um, write poems or go play piano and other people play game computer game. Like they're, just wedded to it. But just because it's not what you like to do 24 seven doesn't mean that it's not for you. Um, so I think that women tell themselves these things and self-select out. Um, and for me, it was very hard too, because I have this, uh, I don't know, sorority girl, like personality and there I am. And I'm like the only, I remember it was me let's say we were 60 kids in my major and it was me and one guy. We were the only fraternity sorority people, um, in that major. Uh, and there were other engineering majors that were less like that and actually had more people like, uh, so it wasn't a gendered thing, but it was, but the other, the other thing that I found, which is kind of evolving now, but the other 
girls at college, we, we weren't like a group, like they weren't my friends. We were each almost like each had our own guy group. Mm -hmm. So we never bonded. I only know like one person's name from that. <laughs> like, I don't even know the other four girls' names. Like I would have to go like Google it. Um, I remember vaguely what they looked like, but it was just, um, yeah, it was lonely. It was, uh, and then you're dealing as a woman with, well, the guys that you're in a group with, now they want to date you. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a major issue for a long time. Um, I'm the only software engineer and uh, the dude, it's like a dude group. Um, so I think it's just tenacity. Like I really, in my gut, never wanted to leave. Um, I never wanted to do something else. I never wanted to do sales. You know, despite people trying to push me into those roles, I just never wanted to do it. And it it takes a lot of strength. And I wouldn't say it's been easy. Um, and uh, and then you you found like just because it's a woman doesn't mean she's your ally, right? Mm -hmm. and just because it's a man doesn't mean he's not your ally. So I've had a lot of positive and negative experiences both ways. Like I've had a lot of friends in unlikely places. Um, so you know, there's been a woman who looks just like me and we're like repellent, you know, or it's been a great mentor or, you know, a random man ends up being like, like one of my closest guy friends right now is uh, a guy, I think he was working on his college degree and he's like in business development and he's taught me so much. Um, you know, and I just had this expectation that all the other female business owners would be like my best friends and mm -hmm. Uh, so I think, uh, I think you, it's hard to stick with what you want if you're not seeing other people like that. And for me, it's, um, other, like, even when I worked for aerospace, which is amazing, I felt weird because I was the only person who really wanted to build product and be, you know, everyone else was so happy and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't happy with this life. And I think it's hard to deviate from the norm. Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard to be different. Uh, and I think, you know, I didn't grow up in like a time of major social media. So now I think people have a lot more access to see these different stories and really follow and understand. But I think I've always dealt with like, I'm too dumb to quit, you know, like, I don't know why. And maybe I could have made more money in sales, but um, like, like you said, uh, it's not all about the money. It's this passion for for doing it. So even if people tried to push me out, I just kept sticking around and saying like, well, this is what I like to do. What's the part about entrepreneurship that people, uh, let me think how to ask this. What would you either tell yourself, like if you could get in a time machine and go back and tell yourself about starting a business as like, well, do this one thing differently than what you did or the, and or the thing that people maybe don't fully understand about it. Well, I think too, I mean, I know that the first one's really easy. I had no idea how incredibly hard it was. Um, I had no idea. I had a big sense that it might change me. Um, but it's weird changing that much too. Um, and it's painful changing. Uh, but I, I really do need to create this infographic. But the amount of work you do goes through the roof. The amount of money you make actually goes down your stability with money. So eventually everyone wants to work less and make a lot more money, but most people can't cross that, 
don't have the tenacity to get to that point. And it really takes a huge amount of uh, perseverance to pick yourself up and to keep going, to keep doing the work, to get kicked in the teeth um, and just try again. Um, So maybe my tenacity and not leaving computer science is paying off for the business. Um, Cause same thing. I think now I'm like, I'm a, I'm a bad employee. Like I'm, I'm not a good, like the only way I'm a good employee is when I'm left alone and get to do whatever I want. So those are my best working relationships. Um, and yeah, so I think people don't say how hard it is. Um, and that it's much easier to, that it, it really is, even if you start a side gig and you want, it's a huge amount of work for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like my business partner for the marketing company, he started a blog and it's profitable, but it took like 18 months of working on it steadily and building something before it even pays off. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's a hard thing to do to constantly like, it'd be like dieting all the time and believing that in six months you might actually lose five pounds, mm-hmm. right? Like, and mo- it's, it's really hard to do. Um, so I think I wish I knew that it would be that hard. Um, I don't know that it would have stopped me, but it's like, it's the same with like when older parents laugh at new, like expectant parents. Uh-huh. They're like, they think it's going to be easy for them. And you're like, oh yeah. And, and you wouldn't tell somebody not to have kids, right? Mm-hmm. But you know also that it's the best and the worst. Um, uh, I think, you know, one of the things that was challenging is I didn't know what good vendors are, what software products to use. Um, uh, and that takes a lot of time too. like, even just learning who, you know, your accountant, is this accountant actually good or not? Right. Um, setting up those things. Like now I know who to work with. I know that whole network. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, except to say like prepare to work constantly. Mm-hmm. It's really like having a child. It's very close to having a child where it is yours, no matter, even if you try to pass it off to somebody else, it's still yours. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that I find um, actually the most thrilling and also just the most um, lonely is the, is definitely the wrong word, but it's, I just look at it as like, as running or owning a business, like everything's my fault, right? The good, the bad, whatever it is, if you're at the top of the pyramid, it's all your your fault, no matter who ends up doing it. And I think that's something that as a business owner, you don't necessarily, I didn't at least fully realize like jumping into it, like when it's just you or you and one or two or three other people, it's different. But as you continue to expand and you're removed from the rest of your employees at some level, right? You're not as involved in the day-to-day. It's still ultimately your fault because it's your yeah. direction or you're putting the people in the on the seats that are making the decisions, right? Like whatever it is. So I think that's why I was excited when my husband finally joined full time. So he had been involved in um, uh, running payroll. No, he never ran payroll. I take that back. He like would deal with the accountant, right? Like, cause he, cause it's an S corp. So it, it flows through through our money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else he did, but he essentially took the leap from taking care of some stuff in the back office, like occasionally on a weekend to full-time working on contract. And 
Um, it's nice. I think I've always liked working with my husband because he knows the people, he knows the stories. So it's a shorthand. Um, we can relate. Uh, and, um, but yeah, I found the, I found that it was very lonely. Um, and I have Amanda, who's my chief experience officer. I really liked when she joined because she cared as much about growing it, uh, just her nature, um, really passionate about it. And so that was great to have someone in partnership with me to help us really see this vision come to life. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was lonely. And you talk about being different. It's like, yeah, you're even now more different. Right, right. Well, and, and I, I know this from just seeing what, what Nyla does in the marketplace, the accolades that you guys have gotten and, and you as a leader that the experience that people have when they engage with you or your company like matters. And, and to me too, right, with my business, but it matters. It really matters to you. And so yeah. that's, that's important to carry on, right? Um, you, you did a, a good segue for me when you were talking about your husband. Talk a little bit about what it's like working with your husband and family integration, being a mom, being a wife, running a business. Has that been challenging for you? Have you adapted? Like talk a little bit. Oh, it's just been so easy. I mean, it's just (laughs) easy breezy. Said no one, never. Um, I got the paperwork back from the state the day before my son's first birthday. Um, And then I was... uh, I think I took a year off maybe. Uh, and then we tried again and we lost two babies in a row. Um, and then finally had my daughter and I was probably extremely, I probably had deep depression because I was so concerned about my daughter even being born. Um, so we lived through all of that, through the creation of the business and my, uh, intensity overstanding that. And he once, once we got in a fight, cause he felt like he was Mr. Mom. Um, and because he had a stable, a very stable guaranteed income and, and plus he was taking on assignments that he, he would, that he felt would really pay off for the future of the company. So he took some really critical cyber jobs that really gave him insight and relationships that when he made the transition to the company would pay off. But anytime the kid was sick, he took off. Um, and he, uh, he was really heavily involved in my son when he was so little because I was literally working like nonstop, um, and making these phone calls. And I remember interviewing, uh, when I was very pregnant and then I had to go to doctor's appointments and, you know, I couldn't really afford to leave. Right. And my job was much higher risk and my performance, like it was good and bad that they treated me. Like, I remember I took one of the first jobs, like I came back to work after my pregnancy. And it's like, I couldn't, um, I couldn't pump because I was a consultant and I needed to be available at these. And I didn't have the luxury of being like, well, it's my time to pump. So I'm just going to go leave. And my business was so new. Um, so he really took the brunt of that. Uh, we did do like daycare that was open for 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. Um, so we were a lot of the, we were the people swinging in at like 6.29 and picking up our son. We paid for a lot of babysitting to help um, uh, to help with that. And we paid for help around the house, I think, sooner um, 
I don't really care if people like judge me on that because it's just, I couldn't, something's got to give. So if I would rather spend the time with my child than, you know, do the additional load of laundry or make sure his room looks perfect. Um, so I think we, we've had some of that. Now, my husband and I have probably similar opinions and very different styles. He, uh, he is highly, he likes to talk. He likes to talk with people. I, he loves like a happy hour. I hate happy. As you, this story is told, I hate happy hours. I hate like happy hour apps. Um, he doesn't like read, like I read an insane amount and I read really fast. So I have no unread emails. Uh, I've never had, uh, unread emails. Um, I literally have read every email. Um, he never has read emails and I have issues with having been a woman trying to go up the ladder and being diminished. So I'm sensitive. So he needs me to tell him like, instead of reading that I gave him this work or I gave him an email, he wants me to get on the phone and tell him. And I felt I'm not your secretary. Like, how dare you make, so we've had, (laughs) we've had to come to terms with it. Um, you know, I'm moving fast and uh, don't always tell him things which hurt his feelings in the beginning because uh, we had to really divide and conquer, right? Our time was so limited. Uh, so we're a feisty uh, couple, um, you know, and he, a lot of our fights too are like, who has the more important meeting today? And like, well, I'm meeting with this client. And so that's where that... Uh, that's where having like consistent childcare, like, all right, well, we have pickup, someone literally picking up and then making sure our son is fed because even if we're walking in the door, like we're starving ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, ironically, during COVID, this has been like the best our relationship has ever been. <laughs> I don't know if it's just time. We finally figured each other out. Yeah. Uh, the company's in a groove. We have people who do things instead of us having to do every single thing. Um, so, uh, you know, I love it. Like he is, um, I mean, it's not like super smooth and dreamy, but he's really good at work. He's a huge part of the company. He, I knew it was hugely flattering when he decided to join our company because anybody would have wanted him as one of their founders, as one of their partners. Um, and he is very, uh, comfortable saying like, you're a great CEO, Shane is the CEO. Um, so, uh, and I've also brought in external, um, like coaches because sometimes him saying or giving me feedback is emotionally charged, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and so I think it's good to have an external person kind of walk us through the business things that we need to, to fix. So I put in place a leadership development because it's like we're we're too enmeshed uh, to have some of these conversations without uh, a third party. And really, where do we want to grow? Gotcha, gotcha. And and what? So so Nyla is your primary business. You also have Vital Up Marketing, and it seems like you just are involved in a lot of things. And like you've always got your creative hat on and thinking of things. What what other types of projects are you involved in or, uh, and where do you get the energy, uh, and the time to do all that? I have always, um, 
done an extreme amount of stuff. Um, like I read fast, I work fast, which is why I was arrogant when I started the business that it would be easier for me than other people because I work so fast because I have no unread emails, blah, blah, blah. Like it's just going to be so easy. Um, but I just, I like, I wake up and I start working and craft. So I'm, a, I'm efficient, I'm fast. Uh, and I like doing, like, I don't know what to do with myself. So I like, you know, when I would just work and I didn't have to work all night long, I would like come home and bake some new things. So I was always bringing in like these uh, elaborate baked goods into the office. And I was used to teach aerobics and I used so like, I didn't know what to do with my time. So this is like the first time I've ever like kind of just worked. Um, but I'm very, uh, I'm on two nonprofit boards that I'm like very proud of. Um, one is downtown Baltimore family Alliance. And that's focused on, uh, being an ally for families that are people who are raising their families in Baltimore city. Um, and, uh, increasing, uh, being a representative of of that and advocate for that. Um, and the other is the Fort Meade Alliance, which is focused on the Fort Meade community, um, both the military government, everything surrounding that, a lot of education for STEM. Um, so that's been a blessing to do that. Um, but yeah, my friends, my one friend told me that I need a lot of friends because I just like, I talk, I do so much. <laughs> I'm exhausting. I'm exhausted. And my husband's similar. So we're exhausting to most people. <laughs> and what, uh, I want to touch quickly on Vital Up. What, what prompted you to start a side marketing business? So Nyla is a hub zone company and hub zone is a historically underutilized business zone. Uh, the criteria to be a certified hub zone business is that your primary office, which is the office with the most number of people, has to be located in a hub zone. And then 35% of your employees have to live in a hub zone. And a lot of people start with overhead staff being uh, hub zone employees. And then at a certain, and that was easy when we were like 10 people, uh, maybe 15 people, but at some point, I want I wanted to, I wanted to identify a way that overhead that all the hub zone people if they weren't able to work on contract which isn't as common that they weren't all costing me how could I make money what what business line would I have um, doing that and at the same time I was uh, recruiting for Nyla is incredibly hard uh, we're in this extremely niche market there's not a lot of new people so you're uh, stealing talent. And my good friend gave me a lecture about marketing and really understanding your audience and then content level marketing. And so I partnered with my um, business partner for Vital Up. He, again, he had started a blog and he was doing like a side hustle to basically eventually someday not have to be a mechanical engineer. (laughs) And uh, I wrote him this email and was like, guess what? I really think we should start a business. Um, and we started it by running clients through Nyla, but it was really awkward. It was awkward uh, because the branding was different. What we did was so different. Nyla is a government contractor, vital up. Like our first client was a tutoring business, Maryland teacher tutors, if you ever need a tutor. Um, uh 
And it was just weird and it was awkward. And it was also unfair to him because he was really, I was bringing the fish in and he was like taking care of it. And it wasn't equitable for him as well. Um, So we started a 50-50 LLC vital up. Um, And it's exciting to see it grow. It's a lot easier um, because it's my second business. So I already know products, tools, pain points. I already have hired people, fired people. um, And... uh, and it's not as anxious for me because it's not my primary income, right? It's like a much more pleasurable. Also, Nyla and government contracting, it's like winning a whale. Like it's like, it takes so long. The business cycle is so slow. And then when you win, you you like eat for years, right? Um, and in marketing, it's so much faster, right? I can have a conversation with you and get started for you on Monday but then you can fire me like the next minute too. Um, And uh, so it uses a different part of my brain. Um, And we've actually gotten several government contracting clients uh, because we know business to government um, very well. So it's exciting and and fun. I don't know that... uh, Sometimes I like want to quit that too. You know, like I think the other thing is, um, you but back to what you said advice before I started, like there have been times where I like legit wanted to quit, like legit, like um, called a friend and was like, do you want to buy this? Mm -hmm. Um, Unpack unpack that a little bit. What, why? um, Well, uh, I struggle with depression. And so sometimes it's uh, uh, really hard, you know, and you add like, your head is stuck in a, a negative loop. Um, so even I, uh, well, that was a time where I was like, I think I need help because I could logically know that everything was fine from a business perspective and that I shouldn't sell it. But I was just like, F this, I want out. Plus it's like the middle of winter when everything's bleak and depressing and you're not on some vacation paid for by the company. So like, <laughs> um, but you know, like some days are, are crap and hard and it feels like it won't be better tomorrow. And I think I'm learning, even though logically everyone knows it's like there's going to be bad and good. Um, I'm really understanding and I, like I've lived it enough to know like there's going to be bad months, months, and there's going to be good seasons. And it's really just like living through the mean, um, not, not living up to the max, right? Uh, until there becomes a new average. And so like, yeah, my second business is doing well. Um, and, but there are hard times. And it, it, when you find the best employees, that's a huge emotional difference maker and pleasure. Like, it is so great to work with great people. Um, and, and not separating the people from their personality, like great at their job, right? Uh, which makes me like them personally, but like, it's, it's like night and day. Uh, when you have someone and you can't trust their work and you have to do all this follow-up and then it's really disappointing and it's bad for the client, it's really upsetting. And then you bring someone on and you don't have to explain yourself seven times and you don't have to like do a training session over and over again. It's just easy. Um, so I think that is the big difference maker for me is when the right people lock in and you can feel it. 
Mm-hmm. And those are hard, just like finding us, you're the person you want to be with for your life. It's like, it's hard to find that, but it's really amazing when it happens. And then you get to live like through that. So uh, I actually didn't know my business partner for Vital Up like really well. You know, he lives in another city. I think I saw, I, I don't even know if I ever saw him in person, um, but I was just like, it was just a very easy working relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a high de- degree of trust in him. And so it was just like, uh, yeah, let's start a business. Mm-hmm. I have two more uh, questions for you. Um, what what was a, a glaring, well, I won't say glaring, and this could be something very small or something big, at any point in your career that you walk either like, like a misstep, right? Like you walked out of a meeting and you're like, oh God, I can't believe I said that, or you blew it with a customer or you messed up with an employee. Like what's what's the biggest or smallest misstep that you could think of? Oh God, I think... Uh... With, with the caveat, I feel the need to say this, that like, there are no mistakes because we always learn something from our mistakes. I got that part, but given, given that. I think it was a larger life lesson for me is finding a place where I'm a good fit. So I have always been quick to speak up, outspoken. Um, so I think in general, I didn't know when to shut up enough. Um, and it is what people like about me and it is what people hate about me. And it's a major struggle, um, because either I'm a bad teammate, right? Because I end up taking charge, right? Like, I'm like, why can't they see what needs to be done? You know, like, why can't they see what needs to be done? It's so clear. And then you can't like, you, you're not a good teammate because you can't let that person lead because they're not a, like... So I think I've just really struggled with understanding who I am and what environment really works best for me. Um, And I don't know if I could have, like, I don't know if a personality test sooner would have shown that. Uh, And it was hard being a software engineer who wanted leadership because a lot of times as a software engineer... Um, so I ended up getting my master's in systems engineering, which is a better fit, but I really always wanted the computer science. So I'm really a software systems engineer. Um, so very specific focus. Um, and that is an excellent, excellent fit for me. But um, because software engineering is so revered and is so at the highest scale, I had a really hard time owning that I'm really an excellent systems engineer. I'm not a great software engineer but I'm the best systems engineer. But like, even until like six months ago, I had a hard time saying that because software engineering is the end all be all, but it was a horrible uh, personality fit for me because you're often just assigned work um, and you don't get to kind of own it or tell people what to do. And, um, and it didn't use all of my skills. uh, And I knew that, like, I felt like I was atrophying and, Uh, I think the other thing, like I like to do, I'm happiest working a variety of things. Like I love reading and I love math and I'm not happy just reading and I'm not happy just doing math. And I think owning that I am a superb generalist and a world where specialists are praised was really hard. Um, I don't know why that sounds so weird. It like, you know, maybe you're like, I can't even believe she's telling the story. But to me, 
I just, I was in a world of specialists, like engineers, like you go so deep and you're, you're paid for like going so deep. And I'm just not, uh, I always knew like, I'm so strong verbally and, and communications. And that is one of my major talents is the overlap of understanding the software at that same level, but communicating and bringing people together and creating that vision because um, sometimes well, that's, that's a unique skill. That's a unique skill set. Yeah, but it wasn't always it wasn't always praised in that like so <laughs> so if you ask about right, like a lot of times I've had clients not like me either because um it's their place to shine and I'm like, but this is what needs to be done. Uh so have you over time adapted no. or do people adapt? <laughs> do you adapt or do people adapt to you? No, I think I finally got myself in a job that's a, um, I think I'm, I'm not great with like B gamers, right? Like I'm great with A gamers and I'm not good with people who aren't at that level. So A gamers typically love me. Executives loved me. People who are really hard charging, driven, they're my people. But that's not always who your client makeup is. So you're making them uncomfortable. Was it, uh, I think it was Steve Jobs maybe that said a handful of A players can run like laps around B and C players. Right. Yeah. So I think, um, uh, and then just, you know, I talk too much and should listen more. Um, It's a family trait. My husband's the same. Um, Uh, or I've been told, like, I guess good advice I got was just because I know the answer doesn't mean I should say the answer. So I finally got better at like whispering it, but I, I mean, whispering it after the meeting, but I think that, um, you know, I always envisioned that being a CEO would be a really good fit for me. Like I never thought, Oh, I don't think I could do that. I just always and that's a weird thing for a college graduate to be like, I think I'd be a great CEO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just really always thought like, I'd be a great executive. Like I really just totally comfortable with that. I love the numbers. I understand the business. I don't mind the variety. I don't mind the intensity. So it was just this bet on myself. And I don't think, I don't think like going back, um, uh, like computer science was one of the best things I ever did because it still was so foundational. Um, but I wish I understood that I would have this evolution. So I, I don't regret like my story because there's a reason I never worked at these big companies. Um, and I think, I think I'm finally happy because this is like my truth. I'm meant to be in this role, even when it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, is it easy working with my husband and having kids? No. Is this what I always kind of thought would make me happy? Yes. And it, it is like, I love being a mom and I love running the company and I love having a second company. Um, I'll probably have another one. <laughs> so, um, I think the one thing that's made, made me uncomfortable is I've never sought fame Um, and people sort of see me, especially social media is so, and I'm not fake on social media, but people's perception to me is not what my head is like, or, or what it feels like. And, um, and people want to hear my story because I'm, you know, software engineer who started her own business and it's doing well. 
And so I'm starting to get comfortable with um, fame, notoriety, right? Like, of oh, everyone knows who Shayna is, and that's weird to me. Um, but if, is that an uncomfortable spot for you? Like, natural to who you are? I don't seek fame. Like I've just never sought it. It's not, I don't like dressing up. I like, I like dressing up sometimes. I don't want to see myself on video all the time. Um, I want to do the work. I like the creative. I like creating things and seeing it come to life. So what's happiest to me is like creating a whole bunch of products. Um, like that's where I'm happy. Uh, but I think I just did a, um, exercise for myself of what does success look like for me? Like what, what is real success? You're literally going to my next question. (laughs) Like I can't show you my paper because there's all types of messy notes on it, but I'm going to point to it. Define success. There it is. So So I did, I did that exercise just recently. Um, and number one, I think in general, and what is really important to me is a long, uh, happy marriage. Um, So, uh, you know, how am I doing as a wife? How are we doing as a couple Um, and growing together? I don't think like marriage equals success, but for me with my husband, uh, I really want to see us last. Um, Being a mother and being a good mother, and I hope my kids like me someday. and that they like me around like that. Seeing my kids self-sufficient when they grow up uh, is so important to me. Um, and, and like I wanted to have professional success because I like creating. So I wanted to know that I'm good at that. Um, and it actually calmed me down because it's like, well, you did achieve a level of professional success. So like you need to chill the F out and like just calm down. And it's, a marathon, not a, a, a sprint. Um, but one of the things that called out to me, so I've always been focused on volunteering and giving back and really want to help have an impact. And I was thinking about how much knowing my neighbor's daughter and vaguely like, you know, she never mentored me. I never interviewed her. I just knew her story. I like, and like what an impact that had on me, right? Like seeing and hearing that. And so if- Which is what, like, give me the cliff notes of the story. Oh, just that she worked from home and had five oh, kids. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, that one. Okay. Yeah, she was a developer who worked from home and had five kids. And um, and I didn't like, you know, I didn't like chill with her all the time. I like, I just knew of her, right? Like, and that influenced me to go study computer science. Cause I thought that seems like a great life. That seems really cool. And so if just hearing my story or some snippet of it, like influences other women to stick it out in computer science or to understand that it's uncomfortable or, um, to get better at money. Um, I want women to make more money, uh, just sort of like my, not to, not so they can run away, um, <laughs> but, uh, I want women to be much stronger about, uh, making money and taking care of themselves. And so I feel like I kind of need to step up and take ownership of the fact that people want to see that. Um, and that is who I am, whether I like it or not. So, uh, part of my when people look at me and on my life or even how I look on my life, it's not how much money I had in my bank account, what kind of car or houses I had, if you know, more than one house. 
it's did I positively impact their lives, right? I I literally am like my heart's about to pop out of my chest because I believe so much. Like it's one of my cores about the ripple effect. Like I, I'm just naming it that, right? But the ripple effect of like your neighbor had on you. And we have that on people all the time, strangers, people we don't know. But if you think back to like when you were like you or anybody when they're kids, it's like, remember like that one teacher said something to you that like flipped the switch, right? It's like, you never know how the smallest thing, like I get emails about this podcast of people that listen to it or, you know, have heard other guests say things and say, wow, like, that had a profound effect on me. So I just, I love what you're saying because I just, I believe it like to my core. Yeah. So I feel like even if I don't want to really do it or if I get uncomfortable, um, yeah, I have had people reach out to me on LinkedIn because uh, that's kind of where I'm the most popular from a social media perspective. And, you know, oh, it's been so great watching you. Um, and that's never been my goal. My goal is really like, uh, to grow my business, but, (laughs) um, but it's exciting to think that I could be influencing others in that way. And then I think also the exciting thing about business and even especially the internships and having interns is really helping change their lives and giving them this opportunity, or especially when we take someone who might not be an exact fit or we're giving someone a chance. Um, so I, I like that aspect of it. But, and then my real major motivator is like building a series of things that provide real solutions, you know, for the, we're focused on the government, but that we're building things that are very impactful, not, not just, um, not just like uh, selling things for uh, selling sake. So like our clients who are, um, my marketing clients, it's exciting to watch those businesses grow, right? Mm-hmm. Because you be- I believe in those businesses. I'm not working for like, oh, you know, we'll do anything for a buck. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's exciting to like really support. Uh, we tend to have a lot of female-owned business, women-owned businesses as our clients. Um, and it's really exciting to see them grow. And save them time. Like we're, we're experts in automation, right? Like, uh, so a lot of it is um, people pay a lot for tools and they don't know how to use them. And so we really like, we'll wire things up for people so they don't have to worry about it. I love that. Because getting that. time back is so critical. Yeah. It's a commodity that we all, that we all have a finite amount of. Yeah. Um, what else? I'm going to go into rapid fire questions, totally unrelated to what we've talked about so far. But before I get to that, what else do you want to cover or talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Hmm. I think every young girl out there should study computer science. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and trust your gut. Um, I think it's sometimes people want to override their gut. And so, uh, I think that was the biggest thing I ever learned in my life was to, to listen to my gut. I love that. Um, all right, let's go in rapid fire unrelated to what we've talked about. First thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know, maybe six or seven Netflix or cable. Oh God. I love cable too. Uh, I guess I'm old. Uh, cable. I love cable. <laughs> I think it's like HBO. It's like, you know, it's it's 
You have to have your HBO. In, in all of uh, in all of these episodes, you're the second person I think to say to say cable. But old, you know, I was like all the Sunday night. You know, I grew up with it. The Friends and the ER on Thursday night in college. <laughs> you're staying true to the trend of like being different. There you go, <laughs> cable. All right, so Netflix or cable? You're going with cable. Sun or moon? Sun for sure. Yeah. Astronaut or deep sea diver? Astronaut. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Sing or dance? I really love dancing. Dancing. Microsoft or Apple? Oh God, Apple all the way. Audio. Last one. Audiobook or written or a written book? Oh, written for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Um, I can't even actually get through audiobooks. I really, really struggle. Uh, I love podcasts when they are um, dialogues. I cannot do a book. I can, I can barely finish a book. I'm, I'm the same. I've never actually, I listen to podcasts all the time and I read a decent amount. I've never actually listened to a full book on tape. Painful. Ever. My, I've never, I've never husband, even tried. My husband plows through audio. He's so yeah. auditory. I, I've never, I've never even tried. So I shouldn't say I can't do it, but I, I've never tried an audio book. Um, all right. This is anything else? Parting shots before I sign us off? Um, go to my website, shanacosgrove.com. If you want to uh, connect, I'm also uh, very active on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to connect with me there, Shana Cosgrove. And if anyone out there can help me raise money for my app, Offers of Plenty, <laughs> which we have underway with our two interns, I would love with you to connect with me and uh, give me advice on how to grow a commercial product. So everybody listening to this, connect with Shana. She's got a ton of good stuff going on and she just gave you multiple ways to do it. So thank you for being a guest on this. This was fantastic. Really thank fun. Thank you. Thanks. This is the Lauren Asgari podcast, How'd Her Career Get There? And we'll see you next time.